Now, Josephus, the Jewish historian, he's, he compared the temple to the beauty of a snow-capped mountain. And they, it had, uh, this, this temple was beautiful that everybody could see. If you look on the back of your bulletin, I have three little pictures. Uh, once, the first one, I'm sorry, yours is not in color, but it has a replica of what they kind of think the temple looked like based off of the writings because obviously they did not have a camera to take a picture and then base it off of. They had to go by what was written down, but this is what they thought it, the temple looked like. And it was a big, beautiful temple, and it took 46 years to build. History shows that. But the Bible also in John chapter 2, verse 20, tells you it took 46 years to build the temple. And that is important because you have Bible backing up what history says. You have history backing up what the Bible says, which proves it really did happen. And that it is, if, if those things in the past were fulfilled, we know with a confidence that things in the future are going to be fulfilled. You can back up what you see with what you get in history. And Jesus predicted that not one stone of this little temple, even though it's a great big temple, is going to have one stone left upon another. And that's exactly true. We're going to see how that's actually possible. So the first one, the first thing that Jesus warns about is the warning of the destruction of Jerusalem. Now with, with the warning signs, it's verses 8 through 24, we're going to look at first the general warning signs. There's, they're everyday kind of situations that take place before, during, and after. But then we're going to look at one specific warning sign before the destruction of Jerusalem. Those who are paying attention, those who know the warning signs and heed the warning signs are going to be the ones who survive. Those who don't, those who ignore the warning signs are those are, are the ones who are going to perish, right? We got the re reverse 911. We're going to get the warning sign. But what do we do with that? So the destruction of Jerusalem. First thing, there are going to be imposters before the destruction of Jerusalem, verse 8. And he said, Take heed that you not be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has drawn near, therefore do not go after them. Now where this is going to fall place in history, uh, the destruction of Jerusalem, is going to take place after Jesus has died on the cross and risen again. Because if you look in your Bible, it's going to be like another month and a half before we get to that point, but Jesus is going to die, and Jesus according to history, died between 30 and 33 A.D. The destruction of Jerusalem. Does anybody know what year that was? 70 A.D. So you have 37 to 40 years where Jesus is not on the earth anymore, and during that time there's going to be lots of people saying, I am the Christ, I have returned. Josephus, the Jewish historian, says there were several imposters of Jesus during that time. Uh, and you, you find that actually even in... Acts chapter 5, verses 33 through 39, there was lots of people who claimed to be somebody, and they led people, and then they were killed, and all those followers were dispersed. So this is something that's being backed up. This is a warning sign. Jesus says, if this is happening, guess what else is going to happen? The destruction of Jerusalem. So the first warning sign that he gives is imposters. Verse 8, the second warning sign is human disasters. I chose that because humans cause the disasters, verses 9 through 10. It says, but when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdoms. There's going to be wars. There's going to be commotions. There's going to be 
uprisings and political unrest before the destruction of Jerusalem. Nations are going to rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. Uh, Josephus, the Jewish historian, once again, and Tacticus, the Roman historian, both talk about uh, the, the period of time immediately following Jesus' death and talk about the, the wars and the crimes and the violent earth and violences and the earthquakes that have taken place immediately following Jesus' death. Because there's going to be human disasters, people are going to cause problems uh, since, uh, which is a warning sign. It's a, a reason for people to be afraid. But when they look at that, they're supposed to say these things are supposed to take place. It's a warning sign that the destruction of Jerusalem is, supposed, is going to happen. Um, I did a little research and tried to figure out how many years has there been without war? Uh, and I, I, I had to add some years because back in 1976 or whatever, when this was discovered how many years there possibly could have been, it was a long time ago. So I, I added, fast forwarded to 2019. And so on the past 3,562 years, supposedly there's only been 268 years without war. Now, I, I tend to want to disagree with that. I bet everywhere, all the time there has been war. There maybe has not been major battles like World War II or, or what wars are going on today, but there's wars everywhere all the time. Uh, you know, and when Jesus is saying that there's going to be a, uh, human disasters, uh, you know, that's, that's something that's been there since the creation of time, right? There's been people fighting the Philistines, were fighting Israel. Israel was fighting the Amalekites. There was always warfare going on. And then those guys had to fight each other, right? The only, so there's always constantly war. So I think Jesus is saying these things are going to continue. They have happened. They're going to continue. It's going to get worse. You're going to have uh, lots of human disasters. The next thing you see is there's going to be natural disasters. Verse 11, it says, And there will be great earthquakes in various places, and famines, and pestilences, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Uh, we see that Josephus said these things were going to take place. There were, or there, Josephus said there were things that took place. There were earthquakes. There were uh, all sorts of these things, uh, natural events that were taking place. You know, since the creation of time, these things have been taking place. There were earthquakes. There were storms. So it's only going to get worse. But all those things can be a cause for alarm, or you can look and say, oh yeah, this is a reminder. This is a warning of what is going to take place before the destruction of Jerusalem. People who know this, people who are paying attention, are going to just follow the steps and say, oh yeah, this is what is going to take place. Then it says there's going to be personal disasters. Uh, chap uh, chapter 21, verse 12. It says, but before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Verse 16 and 17 says, you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. That sounds pretty scary, doesn't it? People are turning people over to the synagogue, over to the prisons, and people are going to die, and it's your closest buddies, your, your parents, your, your kids, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives. He says these things are going to take place before the destruction of Jerusalem. Those people who are watching, those people who are recognizing these signs, know that it's going to take place. 
Those are all the general warning signs. They happen for years upon years, but there's something specific. There's a specific warning sign that Jesus gives these guys to make sure that they know that the destruction of Jerusalem is going to take place. He says in verse, uh, chapter 21, verses 20 to 24, he says, But when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant, and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress in that land and wrath upon all this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. So there is a specific warning sign before the destruction of Jerusalem. He says, when you see the armies start to surround Jerusalem, he says, you better get out of there. And they got their reverse 911 call. Eusebius, he's a, another historian, said that uh, the church, there, was, there were certain men in the church who got a revelation that said, the destruction of Jerusalem is coming, you better get out of here. Those who believed, guess what they did? They left, right? Josephus said uh, they deserted the city as swimmers deserting a sinking ship. Right? If there's a sink, we're all on a big boat, and it starts to sink, are we all going to sit in the boat and wait till we all drown? No, we're going to jump off the board and start swimming away, right? He said that's what they look like around Jerusalem because they started to surround the Jerusalem. They started to build these earthen works so that they could get into the city. And those who, who heeded the message said, I'm leaving. I'm taking my wife and my, and my kids. I'm leaving anybody and everything behind who does not want to come with me. They got their reverse 911 call. Those who accepted the message got out of there. Those who did not believe the message they stayed. I, I'm sure they, they looked at their city and thought, look how big and how powerful we are. We are going to be okay. 70 AD. This is when the destruction of Jerusalem takes, took place. A guy by the name of Titus surrounded the city for five months. And they, 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 were, try, they were trying to get into the city. And finally, after five months, they did. The Roman army had 30,000 men. Uh, this is a very sad story. Uh, the, the Roman army had 30,000 men. The Jewish army had about 24. But there were about 600,000 extra people in the town because it was the time of the Passover. They, they had way more people than what the Roman army had. But when the Romans came in, they started just killing everybody. Man, baby, woman, child, old, young, it didn't matter. And they just slaughtered them left and right. About a million of them died. Between the 600,000 extra people, the people who lived in the city, and the soldiers, about a million people died because they did not heed the message to get out and to flee the city. They just stayed there, and so they, that's what they got to live with, with death. And they, they, it was, uh, if you read online, you can read a lot about the history, about people eating people, and about people, it's terrible, about, because they were just trying to survive, and by the time the the Romans got in. They didn't have any strength to fight. They didn't have anything. They just, okay, pretty much, I think, just stood there and took it and died because that's all that they could do. Lots of people died when they did not have to. Uh, about 95,000 people did get led away to be slaves, to be taken captive. And they were even used in, like, animal games uh, to be, to, uh, like, to fight the animals for entertainment. You know, it's so, like they, they, were, they died 
or they were taken to be killed, or they were taken off as slaves, all because they had the warning and they ignored the warning. I don't care about it. I, I'm putting my confidence in the city or the fact that whatever message I heard was false, so they stayed. They reaped those consequences. And one of the sad consequences was that the temple was destroyed. The fire, uh, the temple got burnt down, and it was so hot that all the gold and all the temple started to melt. And it started dripping on the walls and, and, and down the, the sides of the, the build, or the rocks. And so there you get to where the, every stone is going to be no stone left upon another because there was gold all over the walls. Do you know what people are going to do? They're not going to say, we're going to leave part of this wall. They're going to take every single stone, take it apart, take out all the gold that they can have, right? And so Jesus predicted that that was going to take place, that no stone was going to be left on another. And so uh, it was fulfilled. It did not have to, the people did not have to, to die, uh, but they chose to because they ignored the warning signs. The warning signs that took place before the destruction of Jerusalem, Jesus said they're going to happen. There's going to be imposters. There's going to be human disasters, natural disasters, and there's going to be personal disasters. Well, all those things were a warning sign before the destruction of Jerusalem. Guess what? They're also a warning sign of what's going to come for, for Jesus' second coming. He said those things were going to come. It's, it's just another chain link in a chain getting us to the second coming of Jesus. It was a warning to them in the past. It's a warning to those in the future. Now, this is where it gets a little more challenging. Matthew chapter 24, if you turn your Bibles there, uh, like I said, Luke, it's the same passage, but Luke deals more with the destruction of Jerusalem. Matthew deals more with the second coming of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter uh, 24, verses 1 through 14, you find very much of the same language. You start out with Jesus talking about the destruction of the temple, about how one stone is not going to be left upon another. And the disciples ask, again, when's this supposed to take place? And Jesus uses the same words. In chapter, verse 5, it says, there's going to be, uh, many are going to say that I'm the Christ. There's going to be the imposters. Uh, verse 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars because there's going to be the, the human uh, disasters. Verse 7, nations going to rise against nations and kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. You're going to have the natural disasters. They're going to kill you and deliver you up uh, for his name's sake. So there's going to be those personal disasters. But as you look through this at verse 15, it's not talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. At this point, it's talking about the second coming of Jesus. Because when the, the abomination that causes desolation is the midpoint of the tribulation. When the Antichrist says, okay, no more sacrifices, the temple's built, no more sacrifices, now you guys are going to worship me, he says when that happens, he gives the very same instructions. Uh, verse 16, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are on the housetop go down and, and not take anything out of his house. And let him who's in the field not go back to get his clothes. He's saying when that abomination of desolation, the Antichrist sets himself up uh, to be worshipped in Jerusalem, he says, you guys better get the heck out of here. Here is your warning sign. When you see that take place, you flee. You grab your wife, you grab your kids, and you take whatever, but you get out of here. You don't, you don't, you don't go back into your house. Whatever you have with you is what you're supposed to take with you. And so these, it's the same passage applying to two different events. Either way, the destruction of Jerusalem 
is part of the history, is part of the warning signs for Jesus taking place, uh, for his return to take place. But you can count on it. You can be sure that Jesus is going to come back. He says there's um, Luke chapter 25 through 26. It says when he does come back, he says there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts will fail them for fear and the expectation of those things which are coming of the earth. There's going to be lots of signs up in the sky before Jesus comes back. And no kidding, because uh, the midpoint of the tribulation, the Antichrist sets himself up to be worshipped. Then you have three and a half years before Jesus finally comes back. And so there's going to be all sorts of chaos. And they're, all, they're obviously all warning signs that Jesus is supposed, that Jesus is coming back. Those who are paying attention are going to look and they're going to recognize uh, th those warning signs. Matthew 24, verse 29 says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. There's going to be warning signs that the, the whole nature, all of sky is going to recognize. I mean, it's just, it's just going to be obvious that Jesus is coming back. And when Jesus comes back, it's not going to be in just one, only one little area knows about this. This is going to be some, somehow the whole world is going to know this. Uh, you, you read uh, verse 27 of Luke 21 says, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, with a power and with great glory. In Revelation 1.7, it says, Behold, he is coming in the clouds, and every eye will see him. Every, everybody's going to somehow know that Jesus is coming back. You're not going to have to run out to the desert to see him. You're not going to have to run into the city of New York to see him. Somehow, everybody is going to know permanently, or obviously, that Jesus is coming back. A part of Scripture says that as lightning flashes in the east, and you can see it in the west, that's the way it's going to be when Jesus comes back. Now this part of the warning really isn't for uh, the people back then because uh, before the destruction of Jerusalem, that generation has died and Jesus has not come back yet. Uh, this really doesn't have to do with us because when Jesus comes back, at least has nothing to do with those of us who are Christians because like I said, the midpoint, or the rapture, according to the pre-tribulational view, says Jesus can come back at any moment. He might come back this afternoon. Everybody who's a believer gets raptured, safe up in heaven. And then the, the seven years of tribulation will start. And at the end of that seven years, uh, Jesus is going to come back. And if, if we are here and we do not know Jesus as our Savior, we could possibly make it through the tribulation and then see Jesus coming in the clouds. But if we know Jesus as our Savior, uh, according to the pre-tribulational pre view, we're out of here. We don't have to go through tribulation. We are not going to be around to see Jesus coming back in the clouds. We're going to be coming back with Jesus in the clouds. So I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready because Jesus is going to come back. It's something that you are not supposed to have to experience. But there are going to be people who are experiencing it or who will experience it. People who have not put their faith in Jesus. They're going to look at the scriptures and they're going to be able to see the warning signs. These are the things that are supposed to take place. Those who pay attention to the warning signs hopefully will be prepared for the coming of Jesus. Those who ignore the warning signs are going to be in trouble when Jesus comes. But it's also a warning for us today too because we are all going to meet Jesus at some point. Whether we're raptured up into heaven, 
whether we die because we, we slip on the ice and we conquer head and we, we pass out or, or in an accident or whatever, we are all going to get off. No one gets off this earth alive, right? We all know that. Everybody's going to die and they're going to stand before Jesus. So that's where we get to our third warning is to make sure what do we do in the meantime because that has already taken place. The destruction of Jerusalem has already happened, right? Jesus' second coming has not taken place yet. So we're stuck in the middle. What do we do? We need to be prepared. Jesus says to pay attention to the signs. Back in chapter uh, 21, chapter Luke, Luke 21, verses 29 to 33, he gives a parable about a fig tree. Then he said to them, Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. Has anybody seen any signs that spring is coming? Not yet? Okay. I, didn't, I was just hoping. Okay, I didn't know if there was. I haven't seen any myself, but I was just hoping. So he says, you guys look outside. You see, you guys can tell when the summer is coming. So you also, when you see these things happen, know that the kingdom of God is near. When these kinds of things start taking place, you know that Jesus is coming. So when the imposters start to show up, which they have since the time of the destruction of Jerusalem, don't be, don't be misled. Understand that these things are a warning that Jesus is coming back. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, verse 32 says, Assuredly, I tell you this, or I say this to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So what he's referring to is these kinds of things, once you see the, uh, the abomination of desolation, you see the Antichrist sets himself up to be worshipped, that generation that sees that is going to be the generation that is around when Jesus comes back. That generation, because obviously the generation with this, in 70 AD with the destruction of Jerusalem, they're not around, right? So this isn't talking about that. That's talking about Jesus' second coming. And whoever is here who sees the abomination of desolation, you better know that you better be prepared because that you're, you're going to be the generation that sees this. I know every generation thinks they're going to be around when Jesus comes back. I, 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 Dr. Dave Jeremiah said he thinks he's going to be around, and I sure hope he is. But if he's not, I hope it's my generation. And if not, it might be Taven's generation. And if it's not, it might be Taven's grandkids' generation. But the generation that sees the abomination of desolation is going to be the generation that sees Jesus coming back. It says, just look at the signs. You know the spring is coming when you see the trees budding. When you, see the, when you see the fig leaves start to grow, you know what's coming. It's that certain, it's that clear that the second coming of the Son of Man is going to take place. And a lot of people are going to, uh, verse 34, a lot of people are going to respond differently than being prepared. Uh, verses 34 to 38, but he says, Take heed yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that day comes on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. There's going to be a lot of people during that time who are not going to be ready. They're going to be so distracted by what's going on in this life, and they're going to be trying to find something to uh, deal with that pain. You know, a lot of people, when they worry, they turn to a vice, they turn to drinking, or they turn to, I don't know, all sorts of things, right, that people turn to that help them cope with 
with worry. I used to bite my nails. I mean, I do bite them still, but not because I'm worried. But I used to bite them because I was worried. This is how I'm coping with it. And there's lots of things. Some people eat a lot because they're dealing with it. Uh, but, and that's how they're going to handle it because they're not going to be prepared. They're going to, be look, they're going to look at all these signs that they're going to be afraid. They're going to, they're going to wonder, how do, I, how do I deal with this? And, and Jesus says, look, you don't have to be that way. He says, make sure that you're prepared. So when the imposters come, you say, oh, yeah, that's a warning sign. That means Jesus is coming back. Because if, if you're not prepared, you're going to be, or people will be, led away by the imposters. Because there are lots of people who get led away all the time by people saying that Jesus is back. And they start to follow that person until it's proven that, they, that that was not Jesus. When human disasters come, when there's wars and there's rumors of wars, people are going to spend their time being worried about it being on my front door if, uh, if I'm not prepared, knowing that, oh yeah, Jesus said this is going to take place. This is just another warning sign that Jesus is going to come back. When the personal disasters come, when people are being persecuted for their faith, that's a big reason, right? A lot of people are going to be scared when that takes place. You don't have to be scared when that take, takes place. Yes, it might be painful. Yes, you might die. But it's a warning sign because you are going to be delivered. You're going to die, but you're going to have eternity in heaven. When people are being persecuted, don't be scared to, to shut you up. Say, okay, I'm going to keep going through with this. It's a warning sign. It's going to take place because Jesus is coming back. It says in verse 34, to keep yourselves free from the cares of this life. It is okay to live in this life, but don't let the things of this life become so distracting, become so, more, so much more important that you forget that this life isn't all that there is. There is more that's, that's coming. There's more to this life than just trying to be happy in the moment, just uh, up, and there's more to this life than just trying to fill my pocketbook or uh, to enjoy the things of this life. Yes, enjoy those things. Fill your pocketbook, whatever, but make sure that you remember that there's more to life than this. Jesus is coming back. I want to look real quick in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and I want to see what you guys think about this, about this being another warning sign of the coming of, uh, of the end times. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Let's see what you think about this. It says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of God, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Okay, that says in the last times. Anybody want to think we could possibly be in the last times? Right? All those things going on. When you see that going on out there and you hear those things, I, I, I more get frustrated by that. But I'm like thinking we should say this is what's supposed to happen. It is a warning sign. We have our reverse 911 call. Jesus says, I am coming back. It's going to be at some point when people are not watching and people are not ready. But he says, if you're watching, if you're ready, you can hold your head up high. You have nothing to be ashamed and nothing to be embarrassed about. When Jesus comes back that second time, 
there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be mourning, a lot of people who are sad because they're going to know that Jesus is real. They're going to know that it's too late. But there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be holding their head back and saying, yes, finally, thank you. But if that pre-tribulation or rapture view is correct, we are all going to be out of here before that point comes, and we need to be making sure that we are prepared. How do we get prepared? Well, I'd recommend a few things. The first thing is make sure that you know Jesus Christ is your Savior because that is the only way that you're going to be prepared to meet Jesus. I can try to say, God, I did. I preached every Sunday. God, I went to church every Sunday. God, I, I, I gave lots of money to poor people. I could say I did all these good things, and that's not even going to count for nothing. Nothing. Not, not one stitch of anything is that going to count for so you need to make sure that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. The second thing that I want to say is to make sure that you are living for Jesus. Right? That you are reading what his word says, that you're putting into practice. You know, a lot of what we talked about over two years ago was about our turning to Jesus and repent in repentance. And that's turning away from the things that we used to do before we were saved and living differently. That still applies to us who have been saved for. 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, is to still say no to those things of the life that we shouldn't do and say, okay, God, I'm going to live for you from this point on. So you put your faith in Jesus, and the second thing is you make sure that you are living for Jesus every day because each day somebody meets Jesus face to face who is not expecting it, and someday that somebody is going to be you or that is going to be me. And so we all need to make sure that we are living for him. And the third thing that I would say is make sure that you help other people to get prepared because they need to be prepared and know at least how the option to be prepared. Let them know that, that the storm is coming, right? When Dr. David Jeremiah said the reverse 911, people got that warning. They said, to heck with this. I don't care about the warning. I'm staying. All the other people left, but they had their chance. They knew that, that the warning was at least there. They can only blame themselves we got to get out there and give that warning to people so that they at least have the, the knowledge of how to be rescued from, uh, from hell for eternity. So if you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know simply how to do it. You just pray and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for the bad things that I've done. I'm trusting you alone for my salvation. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, then please do your best. Do better today than you did yesterday, me included, to make sure that I'm living for the Lord and do even better to try to get that message out to other people. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for this warning that you gave us, God. You gave us the warning that life without you is eternity in hell. You gave us the warning, God, that uh, you are going to come back at any point and we need to make sure that we're ready. You gave us a warning. We need to make sure that we're living you for you from this point on. And I pray that you'd help us to do that. God, I know that we don't know when you're coming back. God, I know it gets hard to wait. It's hard to say no and fight temptation. But God, please give us the strength and the courage and the ability to do that. I thank you, God, that we have salvation waiting for us if we just put our faith in you. And if, God, there's any chance that somebody in here doesn't know he's your Savior, God, please burn it upon their hearts that they need to put that, that they need to have that conversation with you and put their trust in you. God, I pray that you'd help us to have the boldness and the courage to get out and share this message with other people. And I pray that the people we talk to would understand and accept your message of salvation. And I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.